Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going to leave Arizona, but don't. We're not going to leave it in our hearts. You're going to continue to focus on this very critical uh, state as we continue to pray over these eight weeks, and we're going to go all the way to the state of Florida, not to focus on the election per se, but to get a report from Tina Deskovich. Deskovich is spelled D-E-S-C-O-V-I-C-H. Deskovich, and Tina is a part of a national movement that is going to so encourage you. Uh, I, I just, I'm just going to turn her loose right now. Tina, just take a moment and, and tell, take a number of moments right now, and tell the, mo- the movement that you're leading, how it started, what's happening, and how you're changing America, literally. Thank you, Tina, for being with us. Share with us. Thank you for giving me this time. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about Moms for Liberty. I'm always excited to talk about Moms for Liberty. Myself and Tiffany Justice, she's my co-founder, we're school board members here in Florida from 2016 to 2020. We did not know each other. We were in different school districts, but what we saw was exactly the same thing. We had the same experience. We like to say we saw behind the education curtain. We saw the powers that union, the power that unions have in school districts, even here in Florida, where they are not nearly as powerful as they are in places like Chicago and Los Angeles. Um, we saw that they were making decisions. I mean, when they sit down to negotiate with school districts around the country, traditionally they were there to negotiate teacher salary, but union contracts have gotten very immense and they include all types of things that impact children and families from when schools open, what days you'll have off, um, everything that, that would impact your family. And what happens is unions for decades have been working to get their own members elected to school boards. They have put hundreds of millions of dollars every year into elections, basically. And so what ultimately happens is you have the unions negotiating with the unions and there's nobody there representing taxpayers or children or parents or families. And so that's why public education is in the mess it's in. Luckily, uh, COVID happened in 2020, and you know you don't say that phrase very often. Um, but for our cause, luckily that happened because what happened is all of America saw behind the education curtain. We saw the powers unions had to keep schools closed for over a year, and we knew then, and we know now, uh, even with the data that's showing how harmful that was for children. Um, we saw that they were keeping schools closed and making lists of demands in Los Angeles to defund the police and things of that nature. If you follow the national teachers union, unions closely, uh, their summer sessions, uh, their national summer conferences had items on their agenda that were everything from abortion to foreign policy and barely anything about education or, or children learning. Just to state a simple fact, two thirds of American fourth graders are not reading on grade level. That means one third of American children are reading on grade level. That is devastating for America. That's a devastating for the future of our country. So we came off our uh, terms in 2020, Tiffany and I, and we connected and we had a conversation about what was happening around the country. We're starting to see parents try to stand up at their school board meetings and speak out. And they really didn't know how to effectively make change in their school district because this wasn't something they ever were involved in before. 
Uh, our moms in our organization have never been political in any way. Some of them had never voted. Some of them were never registered to vote. Most of them at best had voted in uh, presidential elections only, never in you know, primaries or in school board elections. And so they were, um, they were very confused and lost. And I watched in my own school board meetings where I would not, when I was still on the board, them come in, uh, speak about the concerns about their children and union members heckling them, uh, li literally moms leaving crying, school board not listening union heckling. So uh, by, you know, we came off our terms in November of 2020. And by January 1st, 2021, we launched Moms for Liberty. Our intent was to help moms organize into chapters here in the state of Florida, uh, one per county to oversee the school districts here in each county. Uh, we, we were going to teach them how to read school board agendas, teach them where school boards hide important information, how to understand school board budgeting, to really get a handle on what school districts were doing. Two weeks after our launch, uh, a lady named Barbara in New York called and wanted to start a chapter. And Tiffany and I had a discussion and we said, this movement, what needs to happen doesn't belong to us. We can't contain it. And so we allowed Barbara to launch a chapter in New York. We are now 21 months old and we have grown to 238 chapters in 40 states. And we have 100,000 active moms uh, that are at their school board meetings, either monthly or you know two times a month if their school boards meet that often. And the work that they are doing and accomplishing is remarkable. I don't know how, how much longer you want me to go on, Jim, but I can start listing off all the wins that we're having around the country or we can um, open it up for a little discussion. So I want you to go on a little bit longer. I, want, I just wrote down uh, 238 chapters in 40 states, 21, what was the 21? 2021 is when we launched January 1st. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And, and 100,000 members. 100,000 active, active moms. Um, tell us a little bit more about some of those wins. And but first of all, what is your website? How can how can moms or dads sign up right now to be a part of this? Yeah, I say moms, but we welcome dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, even if you don't have kids. If you're concerned about public education in America, we want you. We actually have a couple dads. Two of our chapters are run by dads, so we don't discriminate. Uh, we are a majority moms, uh, but we, you know, we we want everybody. It's going to take a lot of people to turn public education around. And I know in conservative circles, the argument has been for decades: uh, get your kids out. You know collapse the system, it's public education, uh, homeschool, private school, get your kids in a Christian school. We support school choice, we support vouchers, we support all of those things. All of my kids went through public school, I graduated from public school, but uh, when we voted in my school district here in my county to mask kids uh, with no opt-out option, and to force quarantine healthy kids for an extended period of time, I pulled my own son out and put him in a private school. Um, he's back in public two years later, but I think parents should have those options to do uh, whatever they need to for their children. But what I wanna make clear is Moms for Liberty is trying to save public education because right now 85% of American students are still in public school and moms and dads pull your kids out if you need to, but you cannot leave those children behind. You cannot allow this country to be dominated by radical ideologies in the public school system because 85% of America will graduate from the, hopefully, probably less than the graduation rates, but you know, 80 to 85% will graduate from public school systems completely indoctrinated and they are the voting um, citizenry of America. And so, you know, we, our mission statement is we are fighting for the survival of America by empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government because we truly feel 
Um, and I can give you examples and instances, and you will be shocked if you don't already know of how the government is inserting itself between parents and children and literally making decisions that parents should be making more and more. Um, there's court cases supporting them to do this. Once that happens, once we can't raise our children anymore and make the best decisions for them, uh, you know, we are, we're over as a society. You've divided the family and as a country, we cannot um, continue to exist. So, Jim, do you want me to go on to some of the wins or do you Absolutely. want Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I don't want to get long-winded on you, but, you know, this is the best part because we've only been around for 21 months. And what's happened is our moms are becoming very engaged and we've moved into, we're a 501c4, which is a nonprofit, but allows us to do some advocacy work. We are allowed to endorse in races. And so we allow our chapters to endorse in school board races only. Uh, keeps it very limited, very focused, and um, keeps it out of uh, the political arena in a, in a sense. But they are allowed to screen the candidates, vet the candidates, hold forums. Um, they have to invite all parties uh, to the events, and they, they screen them down, and they look for the candidates that support a parent's right to raise their child. And they pick those candidates and they endorse. And so here in Florida, just last month, our chapters did this. And remember, they have they are not political people. They don't understand politics. They're not picking the candidate that can win. They have no idea what that even means for the most part. They're picking the candidate that aligns with their values. And uh, they picked 65 candidates in the state of Florida for our uh, primary election last month, with, which was for us in Florida, if you get more than 50% of the vote or there's only two people in the race, you take the seat in the primary for school boards. And so, uh, 65 candidates and that night 43 candidates either won or advanced to the general election so it, that was a huge win for us our governor here governor DeSantis actually I think endorsed 20 of those candidates and went out and even campaigned for them uh, he has um, you know packs that was able that was able to you know put some support behind them too and so it's remarkable and it, to me it's the way we take back America uh, one community at a time we've also won races in Kenosha Wisconsin uh, Kenosha had a school board with three open seats uh, we ran um, the chapter supported three candidates in that election two one and uh, they also, the vice chair ran for county supervisor, I think, and uh, she actually won that position. So our moms that have never been involved in politics in, in any way before are really stepping in and, and making advances. Other wins though, um, I mean, we have wins daily. If you can imagine with that many chapters, I'm, I'm the, the admin on all the social media groups for all of the chapters. And so I can just open my computer and instead of seeing nasty stuff online, I can open my feed and see you know my chapters their private groups and all the stuff that's going on and you know they are they're finding pornographic books in their libraries and they're working with their school districts i know a lot of the media covers um you know confrontational and and, and and you know fighting between school boards and parents but a lot of our moms have built relationships with their school boards they've um, worked with them to create policies to review these books and get them out of the school system or at least on you know a parental opt-in uh, situation. So they are reviewing textbooks, they are reviewing curriculum, uh, they're fighting against comprehensive sex ed, and I don't even want to get into that with you. You would be shocked at the sex ed that's being brought into our classrooms in America right now. The whole state of New Jersey, the whole state of Wisconsin has adopted this radical, radical sex ed. Um, but our moms are, they are armed and fighting hard. 
you know, you talked about a couple things so far tonight that really spoke to my heart. And one, uh, I've heard the phrase such a time as this. We actually have, uh, we held a whole dinner this year called such a time as this and honored some of our moms that have really been under fire and have just prevailed in their communities. We actually have a, a shirt for our moms that says such a time as this, uh, because we really feel like that it's the time. It's time for, for moms to come forward and stand, uh, stand for their families and stand in the way, defend motherhood, defend womanhood, uh, defend the right to raise their children. So um, I think, I think I'll, and, and the other thing I wanted to add as you were talking about elected officials under fire, our moms are not elected officials. Uh, they don't have any training in this area and boy, are they under fire. Nationally, the calls and the emails that we get are disgusting. The threats, the hate, um, daily, daily. And it's it's terrifying sometimes. Uh, Tiffany, we got a call a couple of weeks ago when my co-founder was in DC. She has four young kids and they were home with a sitter. Her husband was out of the country. And we got a call that said, uh, you know, I know where you live and your kids are not safe. And so, you know, we are under fire daily, but more than Tiffany and I, we can take it. We've been elected officials. You know, this doesn't really phase us. That one, that one shook us up, but most of it doesn't phase us. But our moms are just ordinary moms in their small communities trying to stand up and they are being bullied um, in some of the more liberal cities. They are being what we call doxxed. Their husbands' uh, jobs are, you know, people are going after their husband's jobs and harassing them if they speak up. And so, uh, you know, you guys are a prayerful group and more than anything, we can use your prayers to help just strengthen and give our moms and, and the families that are in our movement the courage to continue to stand. Tina, you're, you're so eloquent. You don't need time to think about a question, but I'm going to give you time because of the delicateness of his nature uh, you went through and you said a sex edge. It would be a shock if we told you it was in sex ed. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you some time because I'm going to talk for a little while to give you a figure, figure out a way you can say this. Uh, uh, you need to tell us what's on there. I was in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My wife and I were at a conference and a, and a, a, a young mother, much like yourself, was showing uh, the sex ed material on the screen. <clears throat> she warned everybody first of what was being given to kindergartners. And it doesn't classify as pornography technically because it's cartoon drawings. And what I saw, I, I thought I had been exposed to all this stuff and knew what was on. What I saw, I was stunned by and wish I could get out of my mind. I could not believe no one should see this of any age, my age included, let alone a kindergarten. So I'm going to ask you to give you some time to formulate uh, how you can say that to us in a way that's acceptable. And yet we need to be jolted. And then people, some people are going to want to support you. So you're a 501c4. So when you support a 501c4, it's not tax deductible but they need the money just as bad as the 501c3 that is tax deductible. So I'm gonna come back to her and have her talk to us about that, but just some summary statements real quick. Teachers are good. Teachers unions are bad. Many, many good teachers, many wonderful teachers. Now there's some really bad ones out there, but teachers unions, the trade union is a movement historically had a reason for existing coming and it was legitimate, but has gone off the rails, seriously off the rails and, and done such remarkable harm. I put a newsletter out, newsletter out this week I know not everybody re reads every email you get, including every email from me. So allow me just to say why on this teacher education, and you referred to, Tina, you referred to New Jersey, why this is a delicate issue with me. You've all met my wife, Rosemary. We've been married eight years. Nine years ago, most of you know, my first wife died of cancer. And uh, when we were married many, many years ago, she was a teacher. She graduated from prestigious school of music, Westminster School of Music in Princeton, New Jersey. 
I was a doctoral student at the time in New Jersey, and she got a job in the public school system in New Jersey. One day she came home after about day two or three or four. We were naive. We, I was a Kansas farm kid. She's a Oklahoma farm kid. We're now thrown to the East Coast. And they, she says, should I join the union or not? New Jersey Teachers Association. And I said, well, let's talk about it. So she, we pro and con, we said no. She came back the next day and she had been cornered when she said no. A strong male teacher <clears throat> cornered her in the hallway. This was in the 1970s, a long time ago. Grabbed her fiercely by the arm, looked her in the eye and said, you will join the union. Released her and walked away. Well, we were scared kids. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We joined the union. Now, we didn't know our rights. All we probably didn't even have any at the time. We tried to be supportive as best we could. That shows you the coercive nature. They gave us a warning shot. We're going to make life miserable for you if you don't join this union. There was no choice. So we went to the, the NA, NA, National Education Association. We, uh, NA, yeah, National Education Association, their national convention in Atlantic City. Because Eric Sebright, the great, CBS commentator was going to speak. This is from the 70s. And I had such respect for teachers as an institution that I expected it to be how to help our students. I was shocked. This was the 70s. It's, it's considerably worse since then. I, I, we drove away just stunned and embarrassed. They were, they were whiny, negative, complaining, demanding. How to demand from your school board. How to demand from the public. It was all about them. The whole education association, national education was a huge disappointment uh, to us and a, and a shock. And it's only deteriorated more with CRT, uh, failing math and science scores. And then you add the disgusting sex ed, which can't even call that. It's just pornography and cartoons that's been added. Uh, I, I, I spoke recently at Loudoun County uh, at the largest church there. And I said, you know, I never heard the phrase Loudoun County until just recently. And they all, of course, laughed. They knew why they became national. They were the epicenter, but we need to bless Tina. Praise God for this. I do agree that get kids out of school. However, not every kid can get out of school right now. And so uh, go back in and exercise our appropriate control like Tina's doing. This is brilliant advice, what she's doing. These are your tax dollars. These schools belong to you. These teachers work for you. They don't work. You, know, you don't work for them. Tina, I'm going to ask you this question. Number one, how can we support you? People may want to contribute. And number two, however you can, in a delicate way, give us some awareness of, um, I don't want to show the junk I saw there in Virginia Beach in that conference, but can you give us some sensing of the sex ed so people are aware of how truly gross and perverse and sick this actually is. You're, you're muted right now. Sorry about that. The best way is obviously to show it. I have very liberal friends that I have shown books that we have found in schools and under the comprehensive sex ed, and they are appalled and shocked, but we can't do that today. So I can give you just some, uh, some of the standards, some, you know, in the plain English that they are. So the kindergarten um, through second grade standard and comprehensive, comprehensive sex ed is under gender ideology. And it's to make sure by the end of second grade that these children, so we're talking about it's pre-K through two, I think, so four, five, six, and seven-year-olds, they need to thoroughly understand that they can be a boy or a girl, neither or both, and that they can change from day to day. So they're starting at the youngest age um, to completely destroying the idea of man and woman. 
you know, that that is the most foundational principle that I believe all of us on this call believe and understand and has been truth for uh, thousands of years and and they're completely undermining that with the youngest learners. If you move on to sixth grade, uh, we've recently put out on our social media um, one of the lesson plans out of Wisconsin, Wisconsin based on this comprehensive sex ed, and it's how to use a condom. And you actually have to purchase a um, a sample item to put the condom on and the students have to practice putting the condom on um, the worst part that's not even the worst part of the whole lesson the worst part of the whole lesson is is the, is the homework for the lesson and they have to go find three shows youtube videos or movies where people are um, about to have sex and they have to report back if they use the condom if they did not use the condom if they discussed using the condom the homework literally is telling them to go find sexual acts um, on the internet, what do you think they're going to come across when they when they Google that to go look and do their homework? Parents have to be plugged in. They have to know every assignment that's coming home. In that comprehensive sex ed, uh, there is abortion. There is uh, you name it, and and it, it's constantly undermining parents and telling them to go to a trusted source. It never says go to your parents and discuss. It's telling you go to a trusted source and ask. And so, um, without showing some of the lesson the lesson plans, there's a book out there right now. Um, it's in schools all across America for eight to twelve year olds. And like you were saying, Jim, there are scenes in that book that are cartoon drawings um, that are that are seared in my brain as an almost 50 year old woman seeing it. I can't imagine when an eight to 12 year old sees two males um, engaged in in it has the positioning of the bodies and what they're doing. Um, you know, this is what they're putting in front of our children. I don't I don't know what else to say about it. And it's not just that it's cartoon drawings, Jim. It's protected by the Supreme Court. Uh, you can show children in public schools under the guise of sex ed practically anything. That same thing you could bring out across off school property and show it to a child and you will be arrested. Public schools are actually a safe haven uh, for this type of pornography right now in America. The um the lady who was reporting in Virginia Beach I referred to, um, she says in Iowa, of all places, Iowa, which we would see as, as kind of a safe state some, to some extent, uh, but it was uh, teaching kindergartners how to perform acts of sodomy on each other with graphic drawings doing exactly that. And we all followed recently the case, astounding hypocrisy, where a mother came to the school board and read the material her child was reading from the school library on these topics. And they cut the microphone off and wouldn't allow her to talk because it was con considered inappropriate among adults in a school board meeting, yet it was appropriate for the child in the school. This is how irrational, sin makes people irrational. Uh, and, and they literally, it becomes a form of mental illness this point. How do we support you financially for those who want to jump in and make a difference for Moms for Liberty? Yeah, so the place you can go to support us and not just financially, uh, we need you to sign up for our newsletter. We would love you to join. There's no cost to join at the national level. 
uh, look once you get on our website. So it's momsforliberty.org. And once you get on our website, uh, there's a big map. You can click your state and then your county. If you have a chapter, sign up with your chapter. If nothing else, you'll get updates from them on stuff going on at your school district. And when there's an urgent request to get down there because something's about to pass, you can get down there and speak and stay in the know of what's going on. Obviously, uh, we need donations. We're a nonprofit. Uh, there's a donate button right at the top of the page. But like Jim said, know that it's not tax deductible because we're a 501c4. We filed as a 501c4 because we needed to be able to get into the advocacy and a little political work to really be able to do the things that we needed to do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.